Welcome, everyone, to the groundbreaking, revolutionary, world-shattering program that is Lessons with Mike. I'm here today with special guest, Jesse. Hey, I'm Jesse. Yeah, that's him. That's like his catchphrase. We're going to get it on a t-shirt one day and make millions. But as you know, it's the end of the month, and that means it's time for the Mike and Jesse monthly movie recap. Let's go. Well, Jesse, you were supposed to make some sort of noise, like a woo or a cheer. I did cheer. No, you didn't. You didn't say anything. So I, let's said, go. I, I said, let's go. That's not a cheer. It's, you got to say woo. Woo. Good, good. Good job, Jesse. So we don't have a lot to talk about today. I think our primary focus is going to be on the Flash film. Jesse has seen several more films. He actually has a month where he beat me for once. So uh, everyone give Jesse a round of applause for beating me. Uh, but I'll jump into in, in real quick with my first film, Where the Crawdads Sing. Uh, I hadn't read the book prior to watching this movie, but I figured out the twist pretty quickly because the whole premise of the movie, the whole arguments they were making in the case was no reasonable, no normal person could pull this off. Well, the person you're following in the movie isn't typically someone that I would consider a normal person. They have experiences and qualifications and um, other such things that would make them able to pull this off, even though a regular person would not be able to pull it off. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just uh, some incredible genius person who figures things out. Jesse, have you heard of the film Where the Crawdads Sing? I have not, no. Well, uh, basically, I'll tell you about it really briefly. So... Uh, this woman lives in the marsh, the swamps, and everyone makes fun of her. They say, oh, look out, it's the marsh girl. And it's not a true story, I don't think. And uh, she, it's just her life. And uh, there's a guy that's nice to her. There's a guy that's not so nice to her. And the guy that's not so nice to her ends up mysteriously being found dead. And Oof. she gets charged with the, yeah, she gets charged with his murder. Uh, a lot of things get revealed. And regardless, I think he deserved to die. He was a pretty sucky person. Uh but plot twist, big plot twist in the end is revealed that she did, in fact, kill him. And, you know, the lawyer's arguments were, oh, it's not possible. She couldn't have possibly done this. She'd have to do this, and then she'd have to do that. She'd have to do all these things that a reasonable person could not be expected to achieve. But because she had lived her whole life in the swamps, she was able to do all of these things uh, that a regular person would not be able to do. So so, so that's, that's the movie. I spoiled it for you. Uh, for those of you who are listening who are devastated, uh, I'm sorry, but you should know by this point that these podcasts contain heavy spoilers. So with that being said, uh, that's the only one I have until the end. Jesse, the floor is yours. You have several films. Uh, but remember, we're going to save The Flash uh, for the end. But please go over your films. Yes. So outside of Flash, I saw six other movies. And one of them is entirely unrelated to the rest of them so i'll start with that one first and it was transformers rise of the beasts and if you're not too aware with how the transformers film series is rise of the beasts is the second movie in the new spinoff series which started with bumblebee which came out in 2018 now rise of the beast was really good really great action in there and then there's this one scene towards the end that got a lot of mixed reactions from people I saw it with and other people in general as well. What I'll is the scene? I'm, go I'm going to talk about it. So the scene is the main character gets recruited into G.I. Joe. Now, for those of you who don't know, G.I. Joe and Transformers are both under the Hasbro line. So... And there have been also reports in the few years back that there was going to be a Transformers and G.I. Joe crossover film. So Hold Rise on of the Beast. Hold what? on a minute. 
hold on a minute now. Are you telling me that Channing Tatum showed up in the end? No, Channing Tatum was not in the end. But Channing Tatum, well, no, wait, that was John Cena, never mind. But John Cena was in the end? No, John Cena was in Bumblebee for Sector 7, which was the Transformers group. But no, no characters, as far as I'm aware, from the G.I. Joe films earlier were in that scene. That's just silly. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where it turns out, but I, I am not going to be too happy if the next movie's post-credit scene ends with Rainbow Dash coming out of a portal to book the next movie, which is My Little Pony, the Hasbro Cinematic Universe. Yes, it's it's rather silly. I think uh, you. I feel like if you're going to do this, the only alternative is to reintroduce the the characters from the original GI Joe. Or not the original ones, but from the uh, the 2000, 2013 or the two thousand nine films, uh, introduced some of those characters. That's the only really way that, that that makes any sense to me. But otherwise, no one cares. Like the last GI Joe film, the Snake Eyes origin movie, no one cared. No one cares about these franchises. And this leads me to a larger pattern that we're going to discuss later when we talk about the Flash. Is we've noticed a trend in the box office revenue of these films. They are not producing the same amount of numbers that they used to produce five or six years ago. It used to be a Transformers movie. You know, they all made billions, uh, 1.4, 1.2, 1.3 billion. And then The Last Night didn't make very much money. Then Bumblebee didn't make very much money. Um, Rise of the Beasts is, you know, actually doing relatively well compared to what was expected. Uh, I did not watch it because I didn't care. And that's the same thing with most of these movies. Who cares? Like, what is the appeal here? I think that we're seeing a growing trend away from franchises and more towards standalone films. But uh, enough about that. Uh, one, one thing I will say is the very popular TikTok uh, trend where Optimus Prime says uh, a four-letter word starting with F that rhymes with duck, which I was so excited. I was like, oh, that's pretty nifty. Uh, it turns out that's fake. He doesn't actually say that. <laughs> Although he does say the quote stand down in the movie, though. He says stand down, but he doesn't say it. Maybe that was a deleted scene. Maybe there's He's, still hope. He, he, he says the whole quote minus the word you're talking about. <sighs> yeah, I, I know. But, you know, so what do you think? Was that scene like a deleted scene or was it fake or what's the... It, what's, what's... Dude, it was obviously a fake scene. Okay, fine. Wow, that's kind of insulting. Obviously, it didn't seem fake to me when I first saw it. I mean, fine. yeah, whatever, whatever, with man, Optimus's whatever. voice there is sounding like Peter Cullen's as well. And also with the rise of AI voices, I you know, couldn't, AI, you couldn't tell. Man. Also, Peter Cullen's a fantastic human, wonderful guy. And uh, I feel like the character of Optimus should just be retired from cinema if Peter Cullen ever dies. Uh, you can switch to Ultra Magnus as being the, the face of the franchise. But no, Peter Cullen is and shall always be Optimus Prime. And that's that's the final say on the matter. I, think I, do, I do know for the Cybertron prequel, they got Chris Hemsworth to be Optimus. That is absurd. I will boycott. I am boycotting this immediately. <laughs> there is one Optimus. It is Peter Cullen, and those are the facts of the universe. The immutable laws of nature have dictated it to be so. Correct. So we we will. I will be boycotting that. I encourage all of my listeners to boycott that as well. Uh, nothing against <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. I'm sure they're giving him a tremendous amount of money for this. Uh, but I just I, I just it's uh we're not we're not doing that. We're, we're just not having that. Can't can't be done. <laughs> well, I guess you could argue it's a younger version of Optimus. Maybe that works. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, what what are the other films you've seen this month? Moving on from Transformers. 
All right. So the rest of the films that I've seen all have one ca- characterizing theme in all of them. Can you guess what, what is it that? is? Um, is it the fact that they're all they all have a Batman in them? Yes, that is absolutely Whoa. correct. Every film. Whoa, how did I know? <laughs> every film that I saw outside of Transformers had Batman in it. So the first you could film argue that Batman made an appearance in Transformers as well. How so? I don't know. You can say whatever you want. No one. Who's going to? I mean, who cares? No one's seen Transformers. You can say there's five Batman in there. No one's seen it, so who knows? True. All right. I don't know who was. But which one did? Which ones did you see? All right. So I'm going to talk about the latest one that I saw first because it's unrelated to the other ones. But I wanted to talk about it first, and it was Batman: The Doom That Came to Gotham, which is as of now, the newest DC animated movie, and it's based off an old comic from, like, the early 2000s where you're familiar with Elseworlds, right? I love Elseworlds stories. They're the best. I want more of them, please. Yes, agreed. So this is an Elseworlds story that takes place in the 1920s, and basically it mixes Batman with H.P. Lovecraft stuff. Very, very mind-breaking stuff in there. This is one I'm really excited to see. Uh, you beat me to it. Normally, I'm really good at seeing the uh, the animated DC films. I haven't got around to seeing this one yet, so I am very excited. I've seen yeah. a little bit of footage, the the mixing up of the uh, the Lovecraftian themes and and Batman. I think I think it's going to be really good. So you tell me, is it good? It's really good. I'm not going to give you any plot details on this podcast, so you can enjoy it. Good, good. I appreciate that. See, that's that's very nice of you. Uh, but I, I do plan on watching that one. So hopefully uh, by the time we get to our July monthly recap, we'll have that to discuss in greater yeah. detail. Uh, but what are some things you can say without spoiling it? The voice cast is really good. Um, I do know the Batman that voiced Batman in Soul of the Dragon came back for this Batman. So it's not Jensen Ackles? No, it's it's not in the Tomorrowverse. It's a standoff. I see, I see. Um, looking at the cast list right now, David Dasmalchian is in it. He was Polka Dot Man in the Suicide Squad. Oh, yes, yes. Um, uh, Jeffrey Combs? I love Jeffrey Combs. Mm-hmm. He's in this. He's playing. He plays Kirk Langstrom. I think he, he, played the, he played the question in Justice League. Anyway, we're getting off topic. So that's the Doom that came to Gotham. Yes, and I recommend other... it. It's a good entry in the new DC animated movies, which we've said so many times. DC animated movies are always better than the Marvel animated ones. They're, except for Hulk versus Wolverine and Ultimate Avengers 1. Well, yeah, that's true. We'll have to go back and rank the animated movies, but typically, yeah, the DC ones, at the very least, they have a greater quantity. Uh, the DC animated universe prior to the Tomorrowverse, I didn't like most of those, uh, but I like the Tomorrow... Anyway, we're getting so off topic. You have four Batman films you're going to talk about. Knock me yeah. with the first one. Let's go. Yes, so before watching The Flash, which we will all discuss at the last... I decided to watch the classic late 80s, early 90s Batman films. The first two were Tim Burton films, and the next two were by Joel Schumacher. Schumacher, Schumacher, whatever. So the first one came out in 1989, and it's just simply called Batman. And basically, Batman's already been well-established as a vigilante crime fighter in this movie already. And basically, the plot of the movie is him going after the Joker, who's played by Jack Nicholson, who's probably one of the best interpretations of the Joker in any media. Yeah, I, I'm, I've never seen any of these older Batman films. Um, from what I understand, they're not really connected with any type of source material. They're all like original, independent stories. Uh, is that is that correct, Jesse? 
Um, I de- never didn't really look into the backstory of the film. Sorry. That's okay. You don't have to do. Re- I just, I just, I know. Like, um, one of the big plot points of Batman '89 is that Joker's the one who ends up killing Bruce's parents. Which yes, he I, does. I believe that's the only media where that's been presented that way. Typically, Batman's killer is presented as just being some random guy or being Joe Chill. If it really gets into it. But I think that's an interesting take on it. But I don't believe the movie really explored that dynamic all that much, from my understanding. Yeah, and then it ended with Joker dying, obviously, and then well, it... you know he was supposed to come back. There were um, not supposed to, but there was workings of him coming back for a fifth Batman movie. Yes, uh, I will get to that once I get to the last film. Oh, perfect! You already knew about that. I didn't even know that. Look at you knowing things. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, number so... two. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention that this Batman is played by Michael Keaton, who comes back in Flash, which we will discuss why that is later. But the next film that I saw was the 1992 Batman Returns, which was the sequel to Batman 89. And Keaton comes back and it introduces Catwoman, who's played by Michelle Pfeiffer, and the Penguin, who is surprisingly played by Danny DeVito, which was hilarious, and I really love that. He got to be the Penguin. And honestly, compared to 89, I thought Batman Returns was not as good, but still a pretty great film overall. And Christopher Walken's in it as well. I think he was an original character for the movie, I think. I could be wrong on that. Well, you know what the opposite of Christopher Walken is? What is it? I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, But anyway, moving (laughs) moving on. Moving on to the next thing you saw, uh, yes. next after that, this is the this is the issue, right? Because up until this point, Harvey Dent was played by Billy D. Williams. However, in the third film, he is removed from the production. Hold on, I gotta get there. That's what we're on. Third film, is yes. It? That's what I'm saying. The third film was called Batman Forever, and in this one, Michael Keaton and Tim Burton backed out of the project, so Joel Schumacher was hired as the next director, and Batman was now played by Val Klimmer, who. Honestly, was probably one of the best interpretations of Bruce Wayne in media as of recent. And also, it introduces Jim Carrey's The Riddler, who was, in my opinion, the best part of that movie. Tommy Lee Jones replaces Billy D. Williams as Two-Face. And then Chris O'Donnell as Robin. And basically, it's a little more campy than Batman Returns. It started to get to the point where superhero films became very campy. So... It was not as good as Returns, but it was still okay for me. And also, Mike. What? There is a newer, not a just released comic, but a couple years back, there was a comic called Batman 89, which continued the story of Batman and Batman Returns, ignoring Batman Forever in the next film I'll talk about. And basically, it involves Billy D. Williams' Two-Face as the antagonist of that comic. That would be fantastic to watch. I, I I am saddened that we do not live in a timeline where that was the reality. Uh, but um, that's okay, you know? You get what you get. And yeah. we're going to move on now to the fourth film. Yes, Batman and Robin came out in 1997, and it was also directed by Schumacher. And this time, Val Klimmer does not return, and he's replaced by George Clooney as Batman. Is there a reason why? Um, I didn't really read into that. Well, you keep talking. While you talk, I'm going to do some research. Okay. So the main premise of Batman and Robin is that Mr. Freeze, who's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is basically trying to 
find a cure for his wife's disease. I forget what it's called, but it's a disease specific to the comics. It's not a real life disease. And also there's a subplot in there where Alfred gets that disease as well. So then they, Mr. Freeze attacks Batman and Robin in the beginning of the film. And basically you can tell from the first 10 minutes that this is going to be the most campiest comic book movie you've ever seen. And then later on in the film, Poison Ivy is introduced into the scene and she teams up with Mr. Freeze to basically try to freeze the planet so her plants can take over the planet, which kind of really doesn't make sense biologically, but it's whatever. And then later on, they're joined by Alfred's niece, to become, who later becomes Batgirl. So it's not Barbara Gordon. It's Barb- her name is still Barbara, but I forget what her last name was, but... She becomes Batgirl, and then the three of them finally stop Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy from taking over the planet. That was very ice of them. Yes. But yeah, we were talking about Val Kilmer earlier. Hey, Mike. Yes, Jesse? Do you know what killed the dinosaurs? Well, the scientific consensus right now is that it was a combination of a meteor impact and a volcano eruption. The Ice Age. Oh, you know, yeah, I, I I guess so. Yeah, I guess you're right. Also, what we're still talking about Batman and Robin, probably the campiest scene of that whole film is Batman pulling out a credit card. He never leaves the cave without it. That's right. Oh, man. But uh, but no, back to Al Kilmer. I have this quote that I think is very interesting. I just pulled up from him. Uh, this quote, I believe, is two, from a few years ago. And Val Kilmer, unfortunately, is having some health issues right now. So I, I wish uh, I wish those get resolved and he uh, you know was able to have a fulfilling rest of his life. But the quote says as follows, um, he stayed in his Batman costume because Warren Buffett was coming to visit him. But apparently Mr. Buffett was not super interested in seeing Kilmer, but more so interested in the props. Kilmer then said this, it's so easy to have five or six Batman. It's not about Batman. There is no Batman. It's a very, uh, very interesting take because I guess, I guess you're right. I mean, back then it didn't really matter who played the character, but now we've shifted into an age where the actor matters so much more than it used to when it comes to these superhero characters because not anyone can play Wolverine. Not anyone right. can play Iron Man. So Batman, I don't think, has found that yet because there's so many Batman out there. And we're going to get into that when we talk about... Wait, wait, wait. I got one more thing to talk about. Okay, what is it? So we were briefly discussing this, but if Batman and Robin were to be successful, it would have came up with a fifth film called Batman Unchained. And the main antagonist of that would have been Scarecrow, who surprisingly is actually in Batman and Robin. He's played by the rapper Coolio. You know, I didn't know that. And I have nothing to say until I see some footage because that could either be really good or not. I don't know. Is it good? Um, Like Batman and Robin? No, is Coolio good in the movie? I mean, he's just in there for one scene, but you don't know that he's Scarecrow until you actually like look it up. What does he do in his one scene? Um, There's someone. No, he's he's not even Scarecrow yet. He's basically the leader of a bike group or something like that. Bike group. Fascinating. Yeah. Anyway, so back, drag back racing. That was it. Drag racing. It doesn't matter. Get back to the plot of the movie, please. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. So. Like I said, Batman Unchained would have had Scarecrow as the main antagonist, and there were talks of Nicolas Cage being it. Nicolas Cage being Batman? No, Scarecrow. I thought Coolio was Scarecrow. I meant like when it was still like in development, I think, because I think originally he wasn't supposed to be Scarecrow, but I, I have to read more into it. 
But I thought that Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton were going to come back. Yeah, I think that was it too. Anyway, while we were hey, we were talking about alternate histories, right? Yeah. So I read up on this one alternate history where basically it would have been what if Batman and Robin were successful. Now there were some factors in it, like Val Kilmer Val Kilmer stayed as Batman. Mister Freeze is actually played by Anthony Hopkins. And the film actually did really good that Batman Unchained got made. And Val Klimmer came back. And Nicolas Cage was Scarecrow. And then there was a final movie, which was basically a Batman Beyond-style movie with William Baldwin being Batman. I don't know who William Baldwin is, Jesse. Alex's brother. Alex is Baldwin? Alec Baldwin. What is? What are some productions he's been in? I'm not familiar. I'm not. I don't really remember any anyway, of Anyway, Jesse. But anyway, that was, that was that little side tangent. I thought it was interesting. It is interesting. I agree. But we're getting to the meat of this. Yes. Uh, and it's going to be Why Flash is perhaps the worst superhero film produced in my lifetime. It is absolute garbage. The fact that it exists and was made and money was thrown at this thing, millions of dollars thrown at marketing this movie. The person involved in the movie, the, the lead actor of the film, I guess. I mean, there's just some unusual things going on, some disturbing reports i as a major studio producer if i were to be one would be incredibly weary about releasing something like that to the public and i feel like at this point because the numbers speak for themselves the numbers and the data clearly show that this movie is flopping tremendously the the money is through the toilet i think the worst purchase of my life was the 15 dollars this ticket cost me it was why is it fifteen dollars? First of all, a movie—I don't think I've ever paid that much for a movie. That was absurd. Fifteen dollars to see it, and it wasn't even very good. Is the problem? But if I you liked it. We see that's the, we're, we're going to get to that later. But regardless of all the external problems with it, I believe the studio would have made more money either just scrapping it or recasting certain people, or canceling that and releasing Batgirl. Batgirl, I believe, would have been more profitable. Profitable. Because people would have lined up to see it because of Brendan Fraser's Firefly. Yes. Oh, there's also rumors going around that Brendan Fraser might be Pa Kent. I am skeptical of this because I always pictured Pa Kent as being, you know, uh, an old farmer type guy. I'm skeptical. I don't know. We'll see. I'm skeptical, but I've heard there's rumors. But anyway, the Flash movie itself. So I actually really enjoyed the opening sequences. And I got into the movie. I thought, you know what? Maybe this will be good. And the moment the Flash character goes back in time is when I began to hate the movie. I began to viciously, passionately hate this film. Uh, Jesse, is that a similar experience to what you had? Um, not hate it per se, but more like figure out like why is whenever he's in the Speed Force and he's going back, everyone around him is clearly a CGI model. The PS1 game, The Lion King, has... <laughs> better graphics than this film i'm not even i honestly to be completely frank with you i would rather go back in time and just play the ps1 game of the lion king for (laughs) three hours as opposed to watching that movie i think i'd get more enjoyment out of that (laughs) but i really enjoy the one thing dc films in my opinion have done well is showing and utilizing their characters for example in iron man 3 the only avenger present is Iron Man. But in the Flash movie, there's a situation and immediately Wonder Woman, Batman, and the Flash are all present. There's cohesion. You know these characters inhabit the same world and they work together. You wouldn't 
And if you're going to build off that, you don't have to make large productions. You can even, you can put the characters in for like Suicide Squad. The original did this very well. Uh, they had Batman and Flash show up in brief little scenes, but it showed the connectivity of the universe. And I thought that was very interesting. But the moment Flash goes back in time and there's a second Flash, the film begins to stall for me because it's about 30 minutes or so before Michael Keaton's Batman reappears or appears in the film at all. And oh, and get this, Mike. This was what? recently dropped, but that's not actually like the same Batman, like from the 89-92. It's a alternate timeline. It's not the exact one. Well, that's that that ruins all the all the goodwill I had left for it because Agreed. I mean it makes sense. Batman he stopped all the crime, he saved the city, and then for some reason he got super depressed afterwards, which I would be super depressed too if I had nothing to. Like, he Plus, saved Alfred was dead. Yeah, I mean, Al, fun fact: uh, the actor who played Alfred in the Batman original movies played was the only actor to stay for all four films. And Jim Gordon, who played Jim Gordon, that doesn't. I forget what his name is, but he stayed. I did not even know Gordon was in those movies. He's a pretty main character in all of them. Well, I haven't seen any of them, so I wouldn't know. Anyway, back to how bad The Flash is. There's a scene, and this isn't supposed to be funny, but Batman, uh, he's in his little ship flying through the sky, shooting things, and you know his ship starts to crash. And he's like, well, I'm taking them down with me. So Batman kamikazes into the ship. And the smoke clears. Oh no, the ship was shielded. Batman didn't do anything. <laughs> and it was the... Mo- I bursted out laughing when the smoke cleared and I saw that the ship was shielded. Batman would never kamikaze into a ship if he thought... unless That's not something he would have done. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he would, but not if the ship was shielded. And he's smart enough to check to see if the ship is shielded beforehand. He would have shot a missile at it and seen that it was shielded and... Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Also, Supergirl was very wasted in the film. She yes. had very little lines, very little dialogue, and was just kind of shoved in there for some reason. And the whole plot line with the Flash is like, I miss my mom. I miss, like, I, maybe it's because of my own personal experiences, but I will, I have, I just can't relate to those type of characters. Oh, my mom, why? I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get you. Like, you're an adult man. Why is you missing your mom, your personality? I don't, I don't understand you. And it was just strange to me. Uh, maybe just because of my own experience, I just can't relate to that kind of experience. You know what? You know what may, would have made this movie better if it a was an actual Flashpoint movie based from the Flashpoint comic. Flashpoint, the Flashpoint Paradox animated movie is infinitely better than this. Yes, literally, literally. Bring back Jeffrey Dean Morgan as Batman. Bring someone who's Eobard Thawne and build up to him in the previous movies. And there you go. Billions at the box office. I would also like to say the cameo choices were not only a little disrespectful, in my opinion, they were completely out of nowhere and made no sense. There but was Mike, no... But huh? your favorite character was in it. That's true. My favorite character was in there, Mr. Christopher Reeves. Uh, it's just, it was unusual. So canonically, Flash kills the Christopher Reeves Superman because you see that world crashing and destroying. I don't think it was ever fixed. Was it fixed? Who knows? It looked like it was. And and probably my favorite cameo was bringing, actually having Nicolas Cage be Superman, even though he's CG. The CG was ridiculous. Why would you CG Nick Cage? He's, you don't need to do that. The, the effects in this movie were so abysmal. 
it was so bad. Where did the budget go? The budget probably went to a certain character's legal defense team, but who knows? Who knows, right? Mm-hmm. But and awesome. then it ends, and now he's in a completely different timeline with a new Bruce Wayne. Not that it matters because that scene will never go anywhere. I know. There's not going to be any type of continuation. I mean, from a financial standpoint, continuing that in any way would just be asinine and insane. This, it had the fourth or fifth largest drop for a comic book based movie in history. I cannot think of a time of a single superhero film I enjoyed less than this. You enjoyed Doctor Strange 2 more? You know, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, I did. Because what about Doctor Thor? Thor 4. Thor 4? I enjoyed Thor. I don't like Thor 4, but I will say all the scenes involved, the one scene where they're in the Shadow Realm, that's peak. That was beautiful. Yeah. The way that was directed, the way that was shot, fantastic. The rest of the movie, kind of garbage. But that scene, beautiful. Multiverse of Madness, I'll tell you something else. What? Just, just seeing Patrick Stewart appear on screen, just seeing him rolling his little wheelchair, hover chair thing. With the admin theme playing in the background, too. It filled my heart with such joy. And, you know, I don't think that theme ever played in any of the X-Men movies. I don't think it did either. I can't think of a time it did, but that filled my little heart with such joy. And, you know, you can't have joy and expect to hold on to it. Eventually, someone will come and take your joy away from you and rip it up and stomp on it. And that's how I felt a few minutes later when Patrick Stewart died. He shouldn't have died. Canonically, he should not have lost that. It doesn't make any sense why he doesn't make any sense. I just want another MCU property in that universe. I am very excited for the next Deadpool movie because yes. all the all the leaks I'm hearing indicate that there's going to be a lot of, of characters from the Fox universe coming back. Mm. So we'll see. Uh, Jesse, I know I've talked for a lot about my disdain for the Flash movie, but what are your thoughts? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, definitely the PlayStation-styled graphics was a big turnoff. And, ba- and you could also tell this, too, at the beginning scene where he's rescuing the babies. Who thought it was a good idea to let this character and keep these scenes in the movie where you have this character played by this actor placing babies into a microwave. I mean, just think of the ramifications of that. You know, I remember when another actor from a film called All the Money in the World, certain things came out against that actor. And, you know, the studio, like, oh, we, we can't have this. You are no longer profitable to our to our business. So we are removing you from the business and replacing you with Mark Wahlberg. I think the Flash should have been replaced by Mark Wahlberg and we should have kept up the... Tra- you know, just going forward from now until all of human history is concluded... Every time that there's a there's an issue where an actor has done something and they need to be removed from a picture, replace them with Mark Wahlberg. I don't care. That should be going forward. That should be what we do from now on. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I've been ranting and raving about this for quite some time now. I think it's time we end the program. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I got more thoughts. What are your thoughts? I'd love to hear them. All right. So we never really talked about General Zod in the movie either. What did you think about him? I love Michael Shannon. He's a wonderful human being. And he, he, they must have offered him a large sum of money. <laughs> yes. Because I think I read somewhere that he wasn't, he didn't like doing Flash as much as he did Man of Steel. But he, he went and called, he went and called Zack Snyder to like get his approval for it. He did save- ask Zack Snyder if it was okay. So props to him for that. Yes. In addition to that, I read one comment where he basically said the whole concept was stupid and it's just like you're a kid putting a bunch of action figures together and just hitting them with each other. 
he didn't have a whole lot of screen time. I was a little disappointed. Yeah. I was expecting some deep character moments because he's usually very well known for those, but he didn't have any any character moments in this. Uh, I will say the most chilling moment in the film for me, one I really enjoyed, was when he uh, was when Kara screams at him, "What did you do?" And he's just very calmly says, "Oh, the infant did not survive." <laughs> <laughs> that was good and. I wish that there had been an extended fight between him and Supergirl because the whole fight is just Supergirl beating him up and then, oh, he he gets a sneaky stab wound in. No, like, <laughs> that just seemed like, no, it should have been more of a fight. They should have punched, I don't know. I, I would have promoted some, There's some theories saying that he did that on purpose so he could get a clear kill on her. I don't think he did it on purpose. Uh, I, I still, I think it's poor writing. Um, I just think it's poor writing and poor execution. And- <sighs> I think the best way DC can just recover from this is completely scratch everything when they restart the DCU. Get, no, I, know, I know people don't want to do it, and I know that they were very great and the best of the DCEU, but Suicide Squad and Peacemaker and all that have to go, too. Everything needs to be rebooted. I just... I'm kind of really burned out on these DC films. I think what they need to do, instead of making these big universes and these big 10-year plans, just make individual stories like like the, the Joker sequel with Lady Gaga's Harley Quinn. I'm really excited for that. Yes. I'm, I'm not excited for any other DC project. Batman 2 in 2025. Oh, yeah, Batman 2. I, I have mixed feelings about the first Batman. I, I liked part of it. I didn't like some of it. Like, I'm not a big Batman fan in general. I think the whole concept of the character needs to be reworked a little bit. But there, there, it depends, really, because every single movie we've gotten that has Batman, Batman shouldn't be bulletproof. The best Batman scene, I don't know, we'll figure it out. But you shouldn't? He should not be bulletproof, no. Why? Why would he be bulletproof? It because doesn't. It, he's supposed to be with murderers and criminals in Gotham City that have guns, and if they shoot him, he's probably dead. But at the same time, he doesn't cover his mouth with that stuff either. I understand Kevlar. I understand armor, but no armor. You you can't just walk into someone firing a rifle over and over and just not be phased by that. That is not how physics or armor work. But Mike, it's but Mike, it's the Batman. He could do whatever he wants. Then why doesn't he just not get shot in the first place? Because he's the Batman. But you know, I think I think James Gunn is is a good director. Um, I don't think he's going to reboot the whole thing, which is sad. It should be. I'm torn on that because the things he's keeping, the, the door has been left open for Black Adam to come back. I actually really liked some of Black Adam. All, all, this, all of the movie that he was in, I really liked. Uh, if you just edit out that kid, it becomes one of the best DC movies because that kid yes. was really... No, no, no disrespect to any, any actors involved. We're just talking about concepts, characters, and portrayals, not, not real life, obviously. But anyway. I remember in the movie, there was a one scene with a kid and then you just started dying laughing. I, yes, when he rides his skateboard into battle. <laughs> no, it's when he rallies the troops with his it's skateboard. so stupid. He's like, guys, we have to fight. And then he does this weird, like, Illuminati triangle thing. Oh, so stupid. It did make me chuckle a good bit, though. It made me chuckle. But anyway, this concludes our June m- movie recap. Are you hopeful for anything coming out in July, Mike? 
July. Um, in theaters, probably not. I would like to see Sisu, The Doom That Came to Gotham. Oh, uh, one thing that I know is coming out in July is Justice League War World. Yeah, War World. The next little, uh, oh, Mike, it's also R-rated. I saw that. I'm excited. Uh, I'm, next time, hopefully, when we when we reconvene, I will have some more things to add. I'm glad that we uh, we have a little theme going on. We got rid. Of, we started off, and then we went to the Batman ones. We have a nice little theme with this episode. Yes. Well, anyway, thanks for being here, Jesse. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, I, if you liked I'm it, still, and I am still excited to see the eventual fall of superhero movies and the rise of the kaiju genre in theaters. That is not something that's going to happen, Jesse. Come I on, let me have hope. You can hope, but what's going to happen is superhero films will fade out. A franchise on a franchise level, they'll fade out. The key focus going forward the next ten years is going to be independent, character-driven films. Films similar to Logan or The Dark Knight, not focused on spectacle, but focused on character, focused on the narratives of the characters and the struggles of the characters. The films aren't going to be, oh, Superman punches a building. The film is going to be Superman battles anxiety. <laughs> Superman versus anxiety. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. I think that'd be fun. Uh, for Anyway, but yeah, ho- hopefully... James Gunn will do a, a good job. I'm skeptical it can be better than Man of Steel. I really like Man of Steel, but we'll see. Yeah. DC, right. I mean, there were some problems with some of Zack Snyder's stuff, but there really was a big mistake whenever they didn't continue with Snyder's vision. Yeah, well, anyway, uh, this was fun. I enjoyed yeah. this. Uh, for those of you listening, regardless of how you felt about this, I would love to hear about how you felt. I take all your feelings into consideration even the ones I disagree with, because I think you should express those feelings in a, in a public forum some way to where I can read them. Uh, so do that, because doing so not only benefits you, because you get an outlet to express your feelings, but it benefits me as well, because it gives me an increased reach. So give, give me some feedback, review the program. Five stars would be preferable. And share the program with your friends, with your enemies, with your with your pet snail. Your pet snail named, uh, what's a pet Gary. snail's name? Not, not Gary. I was thinking something else. Um... Gary's copyrighted, I'm pretty sure. With your pet snail, uh I can't think of any names for a pet snail. I'm sorry, I'm going blank. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Jesse, for being here. And I'll see you all next time I see you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.